Today, we are kicking off a new year and an all-new season discussing the Alpha Dogs. Alphas have long shaped our entertainment, the movies that we watch, the music we listen to, and the comic books that we read. But where did they all go? Largely absent from entertainment at large, they are nearly extinct in the comic book industry. It is so good to be back And it is so good to be back at it with you. Join us today as we go in search of the elusive alpha dog on an all-new episode of Observations. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another edition, an all-new season of Observations. Here at Observations, we talk comic books and all of the incredible platforms that have spun off comic books when i was a kid uh that meant some spider-man toys that meant some some action figures some calendars uh, but it was always the comic books that that were you know that were the farm that, that 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 they were the source that 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 is where we got all the cool stuff from and then as i got into the comics industry more and more attempts and and some more successful in making comic books into movies you know whether it was whether it was batman in 1989 which which was really the biggest superhero hit since the 1978 christopher reeve superman movie and then there was you know there was some tv stuff they brought the lou ferrigno movies back in the late 80s he teamed up with a thor he teamed up with a daredevil they were exciting if you were there because it was all we got but uh observations exists to celebrate comic books the comic book creators who are some of the most important creators in all of uh the arts and and in in pop culture uh you're you're never going to dissuade me of that the 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 respect i have for the creators of so much of the comic books that i have uh enjoyed and been moved by i hold them as as high as any celebrated author or director uh, I, I just think comic book creators, we just get it. We operate on a different plane. I myself am a comic book creator. My name is Rob Liefeld. This is my podcast. I have been doing comic books for 38 years. Uh, Deadpool, Cable, X-Force, uh, big, big giant uh, beacons, uh, kind of billboards for, for, for the kind of success that I've had in the business. Uh, Five million copies. They came out of nowhere with X-Force number one in 1991. Uh, Deadpool Cable all successfully spun off immediately a line of action figures in the 90s that uh, C- Cable was on the X-Men cartoon in the 90s. I have a bunch of animated cells from that cartoon uh, that, that that prominently feature his figure, his form, close-ups of his face, really exciting times. Uh, I've, I've done best-selling runs on the Avengers. I am a uh, co-founder of Image Comics. I launched Image Comics with my very first uh, independent comic book Youngblood. Youngblood was the very first Image Comics launched in April of 1992. So I've been around the block. Uh, in in recent years, I did a uh, really fun run on Snake Eyes that you guys really showed up for. When the GI Joe franchise was, it was. Uh, I swear to you, I asked twice. Uh, is it really selling 2,000 copies? The GI Joe franchise, and and it was. And uh, and you guys helped me. Uh, sell 60, 70,000 of our first Snake Eyes. Uh, it was somewhere between there. I actually asked IDW over the holidays and they put it right at, at 70,000 after we went back, uh, you know, to, to a second printing. But again, you guys have, have shown up. That was a bucket list item for me. Current bucket list 
items I'm working on, I'll, I'll share with you very soon. Uh, cause there's always something on the bucket list when you, you get up, up there in the years, like, like, uh, like I am 56 years old and, and been working basically since I was a teenager in comic books. And it'll be four years in May that this podcast was launched, uh, just, just to talk comics and talk the history of comics and talk about my own history of comics. Cause I was, didn't really know at the time, but I was really just 10 years off the birth of the of, of the Marvel age of comics, and I didn't really understand how important the age that I was born into was. And, and the most interesting thing is, because we're going to talk a lot about uh, so many different subjects in this new season. So, so, so welcome to, to our new uh, season of Raw Observation. Season six uh, is how we, we uh, rack them and stack them, given, given all the other episodes prior. I am so thankful that you listen to this show. This show exists only because of you. And I am so grateful uh, for, for the incredible support you've, you've given it from day one and uh, just, just the giant audience surge that you guys are responsible for in 2023. I hope that I can continue to earn your trust uh, in 2024. I hope your 2023 was great. We are a couple days into 2024 and I hope your 2024 is going to be spectacular. My 2023 was so fun. I got to see my son on television, my son in a movie uh, on, on, on the Disney channel called Chen and Dunk. He was in the first season of uh, Wolfpack. In just a couple days, he's got a movie coming out with Lucy Hale. Uh, I think it's January 19th. It's called Which Brings Me to You. And uh, he's, he's, uh, he's got a really fun, fun part in that. So Chase Life, I'll look out for him. My oldest son got engaged. That was a huge uh, a huge deal for for us and our family uh, with his lovely fiance. They've been together almost eight years. Uh, hi, high school teenage sweethearts. So uh, I, I got to make some crazy great work. I got to see my daughter thrive as she is finding herself in her collegiate years. Uh, my wife and I traveled. We had such a good time. We met some great people like 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 so many of you. Uh, whether it was Comic Con in San Diego or Comic Con in New York. But 2023 was so fun. I was able to get my Deadpool comic book out. The, the sequel to Dead Bull Bad Blood, uh, do some short stories, some more covers. And 2024, I have got some crazy great uh, stuff coming your way that, that, that I'll be able to talk about more in just a very few weeks ahead. But I am wishing you the very best 2024 and hope you had the very best 2023. Comic books, again, is what we talk about. The age of the comic books that I was born into, what I was alluding to, and what one of our subjects is going to be today is the alpha dog. The alpha dog. Are we in the last days? Have we been in the last days of the alpha dog? This is the stuff that we're going to um, discuss today and, and the products, the, the results of the alpha dogs in my uh, career, in, in my span as, as a fan of comics, as a consumer of comics. And, uh, and, and, and where has the alpha dog gone? And if the alpha dog has been hunted to extinction, well, then why? How'd that happen? And is it really keeping us from, from punching through the next level? We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna put all of that on the table today as, as we do this very first launch episode of 2024, our brand new season of Raw Observations. It, it has been a good long while since we talked, and it actually turned out uh, to be for the very best because right after I recorded my last episode in 2023, I got hit with... Uh, you know, a respiratory illness. What is it? RSV. They call it now. I thought we used to just call it a cold. Uh, but man, I, it took my voice away. Uh, I was down for the count. I mean, that, that, 
cold, RSV, respiratory, you know, illness going around is for real. It knocked me on uh, my ass. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't have able to been, I wouldn't have been able to talk or speak or do any uh, podcast of any sort. And, 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 and it was interesting watching the state of the comic book world. I say the comic book world, not just publishing, but also the movies kind of just, uh, <laughs> kind of, uh, grind to a halt. It's no secret. And I, I say this all the time. I'm not here to talk about box office returns on the daily, on the regular. It's not something I do. If there's something that really moves me and, uh, and I think is, is seminal, I, I will absolutely, you know, I, I will, I will peel that onion and, and, and we will, and we will discuss it here. But I mean, look, uh, I, I've been leaving a lot of these comic book, uh, movies, whether it was the flash or whether it was, uh, Black Adam or Blue Beetle or or uh, the Marvels, I, I've just kind of left them all alone. They, they just seemed like the last fruits of a failed agenda, and I don't mean agenda like like social agenda. I mean it's a, a slate of movies that didn't a slate of movies that didn't work, a slate of movies that didn't connect, and so now everyone is excited for the reboot. In 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 regards to Marvel, they're doing one movie next year, and that's going to be Deadpool three or uh, whatever they're going to call the the third Deadpool movie. Uh, I, I think it's going to. I'm 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 hopeful at this point. I'm hopeful. Uh, and 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 then you've got James Gunn who's going to try and recapture the magic with a Superman movie that he's going to start shooting. I, I guess later this year in 2024. Or so. In the meantime, the comic publishing world seemed to go crazy uh, in the last six weeks as I was kind of just <laughs> wandering around <laughs> social media. Um, all these different proclamations, a lot of the old guard, older guard than I, I older guard than I, um, were, were kicking up the dirt in response to some some crazy, just some stuff that was innuendo, some some punches that didn't land. Uh, certain uh, my, my buddy, my mighty my buddy Mark Miller, who I worked with. Uh, we, we did a couple of Youngwood comics and I'm a huge fan of his. He championed a couple of stores, talked to some, some, uh, retailers on his, on his YouTube show. And, uh, he got, he got kind of dragged for it. And it was weird because I think I, I find myself agreeing with so much of what he said, but I, I think, I think there's, there's a lot more, there's a lot of stuff that's going on that, that hasn't been like focused on surgically, surgically, uh, located you know you gotta you gotta you know when they open you up my friend who had open heart surgery i mean you know that they, they gotta get past those organs get to the you know what 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 matters get in there you know slice and dice fix you up sew you up he's doing good by the way but uh surgical sometimes i think we're, we're missing it and you know I, I was watching the news the other day and, and uh, uh one of the doctors like we we rely on the the history of the patient to guide us so often. So sometimes when we are misled, it is because the, the information that we're getting from the history of the patient uh, isn't correct. I, I think some of the history of the patient for our combo business isn't being uh, correctly communicated. I don't think we have gotten to the diagnosis. I'll, I'll, I'm going to give you a little bit of what I think is going on. And it is, it is, uh, it, 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 it's like with so much, it goes backwards. I mentioned my childhood a lot. A lot. I, I mention uh, many times. I mean, from the very beginning, I'm talking to you about the comic books that I picked up off the spinner racks when I was a kid. So that was the 70s, a celebrated era, not because it was my childhood, 
uh, that music is good. Uh, Fleetwood Mac is, you know, Hall of Fame. Eagles are Hall of Fame. The Rolling Stones, they exploded in the 70s, okay? Uh, the, the, the solo efforts of both uh, John Lennon and Paul McCartney post, post the Beatles. That, that's good stuff. There's, there's a lot of good music that came out, a lot of good rock and roll. There's great movies. The, 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 the most important, I, I think, uh, thing that I grew up with is this age of these incredible directors. You want to talk alpha dogs. You want to talk alpha dogs. Let's, let's go, let's go uh, Francis Ford Coppola, Steven Spielberg, George Lucas, William Friedkin. Okay, uh, Brian De Palma. These, these guys were the breakout stars. Martin freaking Scorsese. Martin freaking Scorsese. These are the alpha dogs of the 70s. They were born. Their work was uh what was 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 created and 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 their their imprint was felt in the 70s. Star Wars, Godfather One, Godfather Two, you know, the Mean Streets, Taxi Driver. You got you got uh obviously Jaws, Close Encounters. Uh I mean I mean these are seminal. Uh The Exorcist. These are seminal movies that changed. Uh, the business forever. Just today, before I came on, I was reading an article in Daily Variety by uh, Owen Gleiberman. I believe his name is. Uh, if I if I got that wrong, forgiveness. Uh, 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 forgive me, please. Uh, but it was another death of the superhero movie uh, article. The, the the death of superheroes and how this uh, basically this well is dry. He said, and uh, in it he talked about the first transformational age of Hollywood, which was he said the Liefeld. I'm <laughs> sorry. <laughs> He said the Lucas Spielberg era, the Lucas Spielberg era, era was was the the first transformative age. It's called the age of the blockbuster, the age of the big wide opener that can open on hundreds, then thousands of screens, and of course later on now now with all the different crazy theater uh, expansions that we've had with 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 not just IMAX but 4XD and all the other different applications, uh, you know we've we've expanded not just the theaters but the price point for the experience. But uh, Lucas and Spielberg are are still kind of the the, uh, the 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 foundation of of how Hollywood shifted in the seventies all the way through the nineties, and these guys they went up against the studios, uh, big powerful entities, Fox, Paramount, Warner Brothers, and they fought to get their visions. They fought to get their visions realized. How many of you are aware of how, like, you know, Paramount continually doubted that, that Francis Ford Coppola was shooting Godfather too dark? This movie's too dark. No one's going to see it. So I'm a little bit out of practice, and, and that, that, that sound you heard was something falling, and I've, I've identified it, and, and we're going to move on. Francis Ford Coppola, some of this was, uh, was depicted in that show on Paramount. Um, so much of it is 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 better uh, covered in Easy Riders, Raging Bulls, which just again I I cannot uh, dissect and uh, and study that era of filmmakers more. Warren Beatty's in there. Y- you know him as a, as a as a as a well, you've heard of him, some of you, as a movie star of the past. But he he became a uh, influential producer and director himself. And again, they were all always all battling the studio system who always thought that they knew best when they didn't know anything. And they had no idea that Jaws would be the hit it was. They thought, this is a young guy we shouldn't have picked with a broken down mechanical shark. 
shot on water it went over budget holy crap it's a blockbuster it's the first seen as the first giant blockbuster uh followed two years later by a blockbuster that would rewrite all the history books in star wars but prior to that you know you'd have to tell francis ford coppola that he wasn't a blockbuster himself because both godfathers were blockbusters and awards winners something uh that, that that separated him from from they were kind of his pupils Lucas and Spielberg, but these guys in the 70s, they were alpha dog filmmakers and they threatened the studios. The studios didn't like the, the, the power that they accrued and the terms with which they were able to dictate. And yes, in my off period, uh, the, these many weeks that there was no observations, I have been just reading and studying and alpha dogs, whether they're actors, directors, musicians, artists, Tom Cruise is an alpha dog. You, you know, you hear leaked audio from him on the set of Mission Impossible and Lennon chewing everybody out. I've worked with Tom Cruise. I know he's an alpha dog. I, I developed a movie for, with, with him for years. I have seen the level of his intensity. Uh, he is successful for a reason. He, uh, he stands head and shoulders above his entire class. I tell my kids all the time, like, look at that movie. Look at that movie, The Outsiders. And there's Rob Lowe. There's Ralph Macchio. There's Patrick Swayze. The industry was not betting on the guy furthest back in that cast photo, the, the guy with the bad teeth, Tom Cruise. But he wasn't having it. He fought. He, he, uh, he, he studied. He worked his way into position that he would have influence. And, and every time that he got influence, he built on it until he had the most monster resume. And I mean, I think people would have said, I, I grew up at the time. I know in the 80s, like, the automatic heartthrob, and this guy is fantastic. I, I love his podcast. I love his all of his acting, his producing. Rob Lowe, uh, I think people had their money on. Like he's such a pretty boy. He's so good, good actor. Uh, Tom Cruise raced right past all those guys. Ralph Macchio, Rob Lowe, uh, again Patrick Swayze. Um, uh, I, I'm forgetting a couple more. Charlie Sheen, Tom Cruise, Alpha Dog, again Coppola, Scorsese. These guys were born in the fires. When I hear Scorsese talk about film, I sit up and listen. And you should too, because he's a freaking genius. So many of his tricks, his camera uh, manipulation, his direction, his pacing have have been stolen uh, by others. And then there's the comic book fan that just sees him as old man yelling at lawn and they dismiss him. uh, And 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 it's sad because uh, there's a reason none of these guys that I just told you, Coppola, Lucas, Spielberg, Scorsese. Uh, let, let's go to the modern uh, alpha dog director. Uh, I was watching a, a brilliant, the LA Times out here on, on, on the Spectrum uh, channel uh, does an interview. They, they do these roundtables. They're, they're amazing. I just, I, I, I rewatched, I taped it and watched, watched it twice. They did one with uh, directors whose films are up for Golden Globes and are up for award contention. Uh, Alexander Payne, he's a genius. Sideways, uh, election, the 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 descendants. You know what Alexander Payne did you Alexander Payne film did you not like? I even like the Shrinky Dinky uh, Matt Damon one, but that, that that had a much bigger budget and probably bigger uh, bigger expectations. But he was talking about the holdovers, which I which I watched, which is brilliant. Which again is, I mean, hello takes place in 1970 to 1971, but Alexander Payne was speaking with Michael Mann, Michael freaking Mann, Michael Mann of Heat, Michael Mann of Last of the Mohicans, 
Okay, okay, Michael Mann of Ferrari out in theaters right now. Another kick-ass uh, effort by, by Mr. Michael Mann. Uh, these guys are talking their process. Bradley Cooper was weighing in and, and, and talking about what he learned from uh, David O. Russell. And more importantly, the guy that he keeps mentioning time and again during this, during this director's roundtable is Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood is a freaking, you know, model A alpha dog. These, these directors, they talked about how they run their sets. Bradley Cooper shared he has no seats on, the, on his sets. He, he wants you standing the whole time. He thinks when you sit, uh, you are relaxing and your energy is relaxing as well. He wants you at your peak energy. He wants you standing, lean up against a wall if you need to, okay? He said he got that from influence of other directors. Uh, they talked about their approach to rehearsals. Michael Mann said, I, don't, I, don't, I won't really push a hard rehearsal. I, I don't want them to give their best. I want them to wait till we are actually filming. Uh, Bradley Cooper films all of his rehearsals and said Clint Eastwood did, did as well. And he recounted a scene from American Sniper where the rehearsal is what's in the movie. And Alexander Payne said with me, uh, when I'm shooting, I don't inject with the actors until around take two or three. I want them to do it a couple times. Then I'm going to come in and I'm going to tell. That's an alpha dog. A director by and large has to be an alpha dog. One, one time. My good friend, uh, Joseph Loeb, the third, you know him as Jeff Loeb. We were out to dinner in 1998. He had uh, been producing a new movie. I asked him if he ever wanted to direct, and he said, Robert, directing a movie is like storming the beaches of Normandy. He was being obviously sarcastic. He doesn't mean, you know, actual, because today's audience, I got to stop now and, and tell you he doesn't really mean that he's, you know, uh, uh, bringing soldiers into the line of fire and you're going to see in your mind saving private ryan all those guys getting shot and then they got the boat his point was you are you know uh conducting a, a basically what is akin to a military uh operation there are the sound people the wardrobe people the the lighting people the 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 camera pe- i mean you guys plus all the performers plus the stunt people the special effects operations you know <clears throat> i got what you're saying it, it is a giant undertaking. He goes, I, I don't want to do that. Uh, the, the ultimate alphas embrace it. They do it. They run right into it. Uh, the, the, those directors are, uh, I think, elite, ultra-level level alphas. Uh, if you're asking, would I direct a movie? Yes, I, I would absolutely. I, I would look for that opportunity. Uh, I mean, good God, I'm old, but, you know, Ridley Scott made his first feature film in his 40s. You know, so, 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 hey, maybe, maybe at 57, you know, I can still knock it out of the park. Please understand that my tongue is firmly in my cheek as I'm sp- saying this to you. You know, do I count on, on undoing it? No, but would I shrink from it? No, I would, I would, I would love the experience. But in comic books, we have had alpha males ourselves. And when I was growing up, uh, Jim Starlin, Howard Chaikin, John Byrne, George Perez, so many of these names that I've said to you so many times, they were alpha males. They weren't satisfied. They weren't satisfied just drawing someone else's story. They longed to draw and illustrate their own sagas, their own serials, their own stories, and they did. Jim Starlin became the visionary for what was Adam Warlock radically transforming that character, a transformation that is about as radical as what Frank Miller uh, did with Daredevil. Let me get to what Frank Miller did with Daredevil in just a second um, because that is ultimate alpha dog stuff. These are the guys that inspired myself, uh, Todd McFarlane, Jim Lee, Mark Silvestri, Eric Larson, 
Jim Valentino, Dale Keown, all of my peer group. The, we were inspired by Frank Miller and Howard Shaken. And, and you guys, I have so many uh, episodes on Frank Miller. I've got one spotlighting Howard Shaken, and, and, and it goes into much greater depth on each gentleman and how they uh, found their voice and they honed you know, their style, their approach. And, uh, and I would encourage you to go seek those out in the back catalog. We have over 300 episodes, maybe, maybe over three, 350. I'm not sure I didn't count. Maybe it's only 318. But uh, we got a lot of stuff for you to cover. So when I mention a name, and I've said I mentioned it before, uh, again, go through the back catalog. Check it out. There is so much for you to, uh, to consume. When, when Jim Starlin took over Adam Warlock, Adam Warlock had been a character introduced Gil Kane, Roy Thomas. Uh, these guys had introduced Adam Warlock, but when Jim Starlin sunk his teeth into him, it became like this cosmic uh, Jesus Christ superstar. That, that, that's how I uh, related to it at the time. I mean, you know, they took, they took Jesus and, you know, in the late 60s, early 70s, they, 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 they worked out a rock and roll opera. And, and I remember it, it, it started playing on television and I'd watch it and I, I, I my, my parents were very happy with it, but I thought, I was like, this is pretty cool. Like Jesus singing rock songs and, uh, and the disciples rocking out and, uh, Pontius Pilate. I mean, but it was like this, uh, really kind of, uh, you know, more esoteric approach to something cosmic. And, and there are, um, some crazy stories. Uh, there's a thousand clowns. And an episode that 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 Jim did that is that is uh, very meta, layered upon layered, uh, where 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 he's saying so much more than he's he's saying on the surface, but it really is cosmic deity, Messiah complex. It was like whoa, reading this as a kid, I'm like, this is I'm I feel like my my brain was stretching to absorb. The art was beautiful, Jim Starlin, his figures, his faces, they were beautiful, they were powerful. But this guy was taking over. He would then wrap up that saga in a two-part summer crossover with two annuals one avengers one marvel two and one i've talked about them before but uh adam warlock was killed and ultimately thanos uh thanos was originally disposed of these were exciting exciting uh just incredible experiences as a kid summer in 1977 uh jim starlin full alpha dog mode he wasn't drawn anybody else's characters anymore he wasn't drawing anybody else's um, stories he was he was writing and illustrating his own stories and having maximum impact john byrne couldn't be you know held down eventually left x-men after believing that he was a, doing more writing than maybe he was being credited for so he left and we got the fantastic four we got alpha flight eventually alpha dog john went over to dc comics and said hey i'm i'm not just gonna do Superman, you're going to restart it for me, and we're going to do a miniseries first. So I'm going to get two bites at the album. I'm going to get two number ones within a six-month span in regards to Superman. And they did it. Boy, they rolled out the red carpet. Alpha Dog is when you can walk into DC Comics and say, you want me to do Batman? Cool, I'm going to put him a couple decades in the future. Robin's dead. Uh, Gotham is under siege. Batman is an old man. The groundwork to Dark Knight was laid. Frank Miller was off to the races, and comic books were changed forever. All on the back of an alpha dog. Let me let me let me get to the beginning of that alpha dog. We don't talk enough about a name, Roger McKenzie here. Roger McKenzie, let it be said by me on my podcast, brilliant writer, brilliant writer. He had been writing Captain America and Battlestar Galactica when I encountered him. 
Uh, I think he had come from Charlton previously, but I wasn't encountering that work. I was encountering his Marvel work, his Battles for Galactica, his Captain America, and his Daredevil. He and this new name that I had never seen before in 1979, Frank Miller, came on Daredevil when it was bi-monthly, six times a year. And they did some incredible issues. They did incredible work in the in the 160s the the genius of roger mckenzie that entire 161 64 those issues the genius of roger and and frank miller together was born i was reading masterpieces uh the the issue where hulk battles daredevil and daredevil knows he is completely outclassed out i mean he he, he just can't match hulk on any level but he's going to stand between him and the crowd and the innocents, and he's going to sacrifice his life if necessary. That is Roger McKenzie writing Frank Miller drawing. And it is brilliant. I, I felt like I was reading an all-new classic and, and, and reading a brand-new approach to comics that was going to radically transform comics because it was radically transforming my view of comic book storytelling, gestures, uh, page turns, impact dialogue uh, just just all of it. it it was that spectacular it was daredevil 164 uh, it's got uh the cover has daredevil holding his his dad in 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 the boxing ring kind of a you know a bit of a meta image to flashback daredevil recounts his his childhood story to, to a reporter ben Ulrich, uh who, who is who is uh who is who's you know, introduced into the storyline. It's an incredible issue. It's an absolute incredible issue of storytelling. Uh, I, I, I was one one thousand percent blown away as a kid. Now imagine my surprise when when I showed up one day and my Roger McKenzie Frank Miller tandem that 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 was exciting me on on the same level as the Burn Austin stuff. Uh, Roger McKenzie was gone. He, he, his name was no longer in the credits on Daredevil. And, and trust me when, when I tell you, the Hulk issue, the Dr. Octopus issue, the Gladiator issue, the, the flashback to his childhood, these are great comics. And, and I think in the, in the ultimate, when people look back, I've even seen them misidentified as being written by Frank. They weren't. You know, Frank uh, starts his transformative run on, on, uh, on Daredevil with, with issue... 168, Electra. He takes over the book. And it certainly isn't worse than what was going on with Roger McKenzie and Frank Miller. I'd say it was, it held serve and then started building. And then the scope of what Frank was doing was coming, you know, coming into view. And we kind of were starting to see what he, what, where he was going with this. And, and, uh, Huge, hugely influential. 168 to 181. If, if Frank had left right then, possibly the greatest run in the history of comics. It's up there. It's, it's, it's a top, for me, it's a top two run. It's Frank Miller's Daredevil and the Claremont Byrne Austin X-Men for the best runs ever in comics. And, and yes, I, I put those ahead of the 101 issues of Frank Miller, uh, of Fantastic Four with Kirby and Lee. Uh, as great as those are, uh, there's so much content. Uh, in those Kirby Fantastic Four issues, but I mean the level of craftsmanship was was just the bar was raised. 
and 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 you're talking about two generational uh, talents, both of whom are completely uh, comfortable giving as as much uh, credit to Kirby for influencing them. Although in, a, in an upcoming episode, we'll we'll discuss which one of these guys uh, would 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 kind of throughout his career turn on turn on Jack a little bit. But uh, Frank absolutely credits so much of of his his success with the inspiration that Kirby gave him. But Frank takes over, Daredevil takes off, it becomes monthly. Behind the scenes, Jim Shooter empowered uh, Frank Miller, his editor, Denny O'Neill, uh, empowered him. Frank wanted to write the book. It, it, it's, it's one of those like, they were a really good team, but Frank had a vision. He wanted to implement it. They backed Frank. Roger McKenzie was gone. Roger McKenzie was a great writer. Uh, he was separated. Uh, he, he was moved, moved along, removed. And 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 there was no looking back. Daredevil literally did get become even more popular. And you know we can sit here and what if this uh, for the rest of our lives? What what would have what would have happened had Roger stayed on? But the bottom line is Frank made an alpha dog move, possibly the greatest alpha dog move. I, again, I haven't really discussed Roger McKenzie at, at great lengths, and I've read different accounts accounts over the year. Um, he, he felt like he was doing a really good job, but you know Frank wanted the helm. He wanted to write the book. And what you're going to find out with a lot of these alpha dogs is they pushed people out of their way. Jack Kirby was so disillusioned uh, by, by how he was being treated by, my, by Marvel in, in the late 60s that he left. And he started writing his own stuff. And don't believe those people who say that Jack's stuff wasn't written brilliantly. Uh, in hindsight, now when you grab those new, new gods, those Mr. Miracles, those Omax, those Commandies, all of the hundreds and hundreds of pages, the multiple omnibuses worth of work that he created for DC Comics, they're brilliant. They're next-level visionary. Jack, other than a few side projects, did not work with the writer again. He's like, why do I need this? I'm, I'm the guy generating all of these concepts, all these ideas, all these costume designs, all these incredible uh, uh, conflicts. And, and he, he didn't look back. Frank Miller didn't look back. It was a huge inspiration for, for us. Uh, my generation, I think we were like, we want to be like Frank Miller. Guy's a full-on baller. The alpha of alphas, John Byrne, again, separated from the X-Men, goes on this incredible five-year celebrated run. Most people would put John's X-Men, uh, I'm sorry, his Fantasy Four run right alongside uh, Lee and Kirby's. I haven't seen a, as one that could even touch John Byrne's run since. And you guys, if one existed, I would rally to it. But uh, the Fantasy Four just hasn't hit that sweet spot since John Byrne. And fans of that time will tell you this. And then you go, hey, get off my lawn, life out. Nope. Let me segue here for a second. I was looking for a way to kind of pigeonhole this into you. So we'll, we'll put a pin in our alpha dog talk, come back to it in just a second. Because looking back on these talents, in the 70s, I gave you Coppola and Spielberg and Scorsese and Lucas and Friedkin, all those guys. That's not nostalgia. That's when their talent happened. That's when their talent happened. If you're a Republican and you think Reagan was a great president, it's because you lived through those eight years and you think that he and his policies and his presence on the world stage meant something. If you look at Barack Obama and, and his, his eight years as president, if you favor that and hold that as like your, your favorite presidency, that's not nostalgia. You just remember the greatness of that period and the things that he did that, that you championed or inspired you. It's not nostalgia. Now, nostalgia has its place. 
But identifying when excellence occurred on the calendar is not nostalgia. That's called history. Going into Christmas, you know, as, as, as parents, Joy and I were talking to each of the kids. What do you want? What do you want? Hey, what are you looking for? And lo and behold, our oldest, uh, Luke, who, you know, we, we just enjoy these last couple of weeks. He came back out, his break from his, his, his work in Texas. He came back, stayed, stayed back with us. He's always got a room here. Uh, he let us know and Thanksgiving that he wanted a ton of vinyl. Now, I have known about this resurgence of vinyl. But he gave us a list, and I happen to know of some killer, especially in, uh, in Anaheim and Orange, uh, the cities of Anaheim and Orange, just some killer uh, old record joints. And, and combine that with the overwhelming space that is given to vinyl in now the Barnes and & Nobles and, and so many of these big stores, it was easy to, you know, to satisfy his list. What he wanted was stuff that he liked when he was 13 and 14 and 15. He wanted Coldplay. He wanted Dua Lipa. He wanted Jack Harlow. These are these are these are the acts that that Luke Luke wanted. I I think I uh, I think I, I wrote some of these <laughs> some of these down because because it was like come on man you know uh, J Cole that's it that's another one so Coldplay Dua Lipa uh uh I think early early albums from the weekend he wants them on vinyl he's got his record player. He wants vinyl. You know what vinyl is? Vinyl is the trade paperbacks, the omnibuses, the hardcovers of our day. The other day I put up this killer collection. Two killer collections came out recently. One of the celebrated John Byrne, uh, Terry Austin, Chris Claremont run that, that, uh, that covers just a, a killer uh, period in the, in the X-Men's history. And the other was the Space Saga, which saw Dave Cockrum in his second tour of duty. Uh, with the X-Men leave and Paul Smith come on. And these are tremendous comics. Nostalgia be damned. They're just really well executed. They're well penciled. The storytelling is great. They're well inked. Uh, bold stories. Great ideas. Uh, focus on on Wolverine as he continued to become more and more and more popular. There's an issue Dave Cockrum did of Wolverine battling the brood. It's really a solo Wolverine episode. For 30 years, I've wanted to redraw just that book. I've wanted to grab that book and redraw it uh, because I just loved it so much. I, I enjoyed it so much. It's brawny. It's macho. Uh, Wolverine is shirtless the whole time. So when I say macho, you know, like how hairy Wolverine. And, and if you can hear some of my, my respiratory uh, illness is still with me. So you can hear it in my throat and my voice. And, you know, apologies. The show must go on, as they say. So. Uh, if, if you if you can hear it, it's because it's there. Uh, sometimes I'm getting shorter breath uh, a breath while I talk. It's uh, it's it's uh, old man observations. So that Wolverine issue with the brawny shirtless, he's basically in underwear at one point. He's in he's in like his you know his 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 jockstrap basically for uh, for part of it because they've torn all his clothes off and he's been battling in the brood again are are based on Geiger's you know alien alien designs they're, they're very much like again we've, we've we've covered several times how much chris claremont loved ridley scott and 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 all of this is happening before james cameron is even picking up a camera and making the sequel to alien so i mean this is all just living off the one the original film i i have always wanted to redraw that issue i may i may just in my free time redraw that issue but i put those collections up 
and I lauded them. I told them, I told people how terrific it was. Well, oh, but you're not celebrating, you know, the current times. And I was told I was an old man celebrating old work. And this is by the the, the nitwits that occupy uh, so much of social media. And you look and you, you know, I mean, honestly, it was funny. One of them, uh, one of the entertainment, one of these guys reached out to an entertainment reporter and said, why don't you drag Liefeld on this so I can spread it far and wide? And the entertainment reporter had me laugh out loud. He said, far and wide? Uh, with, with your audience? And, and the guy had 19 followers. So, so that's where that particular threat was originating from. <laughs> uh, again, I, I just chuckled. I laughed because it was funny because it's like, let's, let's drag Liefeld for, for daring to sh- share a spotlight on this era. I'm so tired of him telling everybody that's the greatest the X-Men have ever been. Well, I'm not alone. These trade paperbacks, these are not something that I dug out of my back on my shelf. I just bought this at the store because Marvel just produced this. They just produced this and delivered it to the damn store, okay? The omnibuses, the hardcovers, the, the trade paperbacks, okay? Those are arriving because Marvel knows that we as an audience want to collect them. There are vinyls. The omnibuses, the art editions, they're repackaging the same old stuff that sold back at the peak of when this stuff had mass appeal because the audience wants it. Again, it's not nostalgia. It's a celebration of excellence. It is a celebration of excellence. And so again, I I put these out there because I want you to buy them. I don't get any money out of of pushing this X-Men stuff that Marvel's put. You know, I don't get any money out of the Burn Austin run or the Cockrum Smith stuff. I'm putting it out there and saying, this is the gold standard. But if I call it the gold standard, it sends people into a tizzy. This doesn't happen in the music world, okay? They reissue these killer vinyls. My 23-year-old son wants stuff that he, that he liked when he was 13 and 14, 10 years ago. And he was so excited on Christmas when he got all his vinyls. And it really went a long, a, a long way for me. And when I did my research... Did you know that this last year was the number one year for vinyl? Albums that already existed reformatted for an audience that wants them the way I got them was when I was a kid. Luke Liefeld cannot have nostalgia for an LP because he didn't have one until recently. He just wants those acts in that format. Um, it's just something that's going around. Stuff that he has digitally, he wants to have a physical copy of and, and put it on a turntable. And, and be able to listen it in that manner. And the music industry is cashing out huge on reissues of previously best-selling work. And so many of you are like, well, of course. But this vinyl stuff is really being fueled, I believe, by this age group. Because when Joy and I went to some of these different record stores, we were some of the oldest people uh, in, in the store and, and, and trying to wait in line as the late 20-something, 30-somethings flip through those vinyls it's just the same as the trade paperbacks and the stuff that marvel and dc keep going back to press on because that's the stuff that we believe is the gold standard is the excellent stuff frank miller jim starlin these guys they fueled our my 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 peer group we wanted to create our own stories we wanted to control the visuals the narrative the page turns and so we had our equivalents of Roger McKenzie's removed. Todd McFarlane was working with a writer until he wasn't. And how'd that work out for him? Pretty damn good, right? I was working with a writer until I wasn't. And that worked out pretty damn good for me. 
Jim Lee, Mark Silvestri, Eric Larson. Uh, it's the big boy alpha dog move. For the last 20 years, the big publishers say, hey, talent, whatever, young talent, A, B, C, D. No, I'm not going to name names. We want you to work with this guy because we think that, that, that we, we, we've really put this investment in to this writer. Now, where things get interesting is I happen to ask a number of publishers to, uh, to get back to me in regards to how they believed that the comics industry itself has changed uh, the most over these last several years. And Eric Stevenson of Image Comics obliged me in the best possible way. I sent two publishers the same questions. One told me he'd get back to me, still waiting. Eric Stevenson sent these, these answers to me. And, uh, and, and, and in here, a little bit lies some of, some of, uh, of, of what I am referencing. I asked him, what is the biggest change you've seen in the comics over the last 25 years? Eric Stevenson, publisher of Image Comics, partner of Image Comics, wrote back and said, I actually think there's a few big changes over the last three decades. Eric answered with number one, the near total lack of character consistency in mainstream comics, both in terms of writing and art. I get that making changes to a superhero costume every now and then is, is, has some appeal, but there are characters that are borderline unrecognizable now, both in terms of appearance and how they act. If the perception is that something isn't working or that it's not going to work in film or TV, then they just change it. Number two, and here's, here's the biggest deal. He says writers have supplanted artists as the perceived driving force in comics. It used to be the creative teams or artists drove people to comics. But more often than not, these days, publishers market the books on the strength of a writer. Now, we've discussed this before. A writer can do four books a month. So if you invest in that writer and you build him up, then whoa, he's selling you four comics, 100 pages of content. An artist generally can only do one book a month. and. I used to think we weren't still living in an age that was penalized by what happened to Image Comics, but I am now convinced more than ever we are still in that age. These these talents, uh, they don't want the artist uh, to to run the show, and and because the artists that formed the Image Revolution, our appetites just kept growing and growing and growing, and when we couldn't be satiated, we started our own thing. And at both companies, I, I've never seen so much control applied to pairing artists with writers and telling them, this is the greatest. No, the two of you, you'll do great things. None of the guys in my peer group would have stood for that. You, you hear about, I follow a ton of sports, and there's a lot of discourse that, that LeBron James started the super team when he paired with Dwayne Wade uh, and, and Chris Bosh in Miami, and they created their super team. and. Uh, and it, and it kind of was the beginning of, of this, hey, superstar, let me join with you, superstar, and let's get other superstar. Arguably, the, the Boston Celtics of 2008 were, were the, uh, the pre-model for that with Ray Allen and, and Kevin Garnett joining Paul Pierce in Boston. And people that, that 
cite Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant. They're like, they stayed with the same team and they had lean years. And you go, but, but Kobe had Pau Gasol in his second stretch when Kobe Bryant went to three straight finals. Pau Gasol had never been out of the first round. He was not battle tested. He was certainly not accomplished. He was talented, but he had not been in the same rarefied era as a Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade this last year conceded. He said that when Kobe uh, and the Lakers won back-to-back 2009-2010, that's when he called LeBron and said, how much are we going to watch Kobe just run the league? Or are we going to team up and stop him? When I read that, and my Laker friends, we were all passing around the same day. Whoa! Dwayne Wade conceded that that, that showcase that Kobe had 2008, 2009, 2010, that that created this, this fever. We can't let this happen. And so they teamed up, and they made their change, and the rest is history. But that's alpha. Those are some alpha dog moves. But then you can go, well, well, who's the bigger alpha? The one that just figured it out and took talent and made it work with Derek Fisher, with Ron Artest, with Pau Gasol, or all these superstar lineups that we see nowadays? Because it's definitely overtaken the sports world, this, this super team up. But it, it definitely is in the, the alpha realm. But you, you get those guys, the Charles Barkleys, these guys who come and go, Jordan and Magic and Kobe, they would have never done it that way. They, they looked at these guys as rivals and they wanted to beat them, not team up with them. Kevin Durant, the Warriors, that even my, my own kids drag on Kevin Durant for joining the team that beat him and then going on to win multiple titles with Golden State by, by teaming up with Steph and Clay. Again, I, I, I segue into sports quite often because, I mean, sports is life. Life is sport. You can learn a lot. The arenas are very similar. And, and, and trust me, scores are kept in life just as they are in, in sports. But my peer group, we just want to move people out of the way and execute our own visions. And I can count on one hand. The guy that does that in the last eight years is Daniel Warren Johnson. I followed him on Wonder Woman. I followed him on Beta Ray Bill. I followed him on, on his image work. I'm, I'm, I'm the only, he is the only reason I'm, I'm I've, I've never bought Transformers before. I've never bought a Transformer comic that, that didn't team up with G.I. Joe. A standalone Transformers comic. And I'm buying it because of him. But there are so many of these guys that are not guys and gals, both. Uh, you, you just don't see this alpha mentality that, like, I've got to take over this book. I have to execute this vision. Uh, I understand that Peach Bomoko was just granted that with Ultimate X-Men. It's, it's coming out. I get it. She's done a small run, some small miniseries. Because the other thing that is wildly missing, and here's where I'm going to land the plane, you got to do a run. I really sat back. I thought about it. And, and so many, this, this age, and when I see retailers telling Mark Miller, you know, that, that, that you know, there's these runs. Well, of course, the, the, the runs are what make the organic entertainment and excites people. It, you, you jump on to someone's specific vision. Why do I see every Martin Scorsese film? Why do I see every Steven Spielberg film, Tarantino film? Okay, uh, Alexander Payne film. I see that because I, I'm excited by their vision. I know one guy's going to give me spectacle. One guy's going to give me very careful character work. One guy's probably going to work mob violence and organized crime into it. I get it. That's what I signed on for. In, in, in comic books, again, Todd became writer-artist. Rob became writer-artist. Jim became writer-artist. Eric, writer-artist. And, and, and there was no looking back. Uh, I'm... You know, people ask me all the time, I have no interest in, in I'm only going to tell my stories going forward, period, full stop. 
uh, just like the guys that inspired us, the Frank Millers, the Jack Kirby's. No looking back. Once you can do it, you do it. Nobody's doing it. Don't don't tell me about the Kickstarter one one offs. Don't don't tell me about the the crowd funding one offs. I'm talking about guys who are taking over books and they're giving you runs. You go, Liefeld, but no, Liefeld, but I'll t- I'll tell you what the Liefeld but is. Todd gave you three years on Spider Man. Jim gave you three years uh, between between X Men and and Wildcats. I gave you three years between New Mutants, X Force, Young But it was it was a, con- a constant run. You got me monthly from 1989 through 1991, 92. Then through 93, you get 10 Youngbloods, you get 24 New Mutants in X-Force. And that's how I built my career. Ditto, Jim, Uncanny, X-Men, Wildcats, Todd, Amazing, Spider-Man, Spawn, Eric Larson, Spider-Man, Dragon. This is how this stuff uh, was always done. But you don't get anybody on a three-year run anymore. One guy, one guy does not make a... uh, a trend. And uh, Jorge Jimenez, who is doing Batman and has been doing Batman for the better part of three years, he's the guy. He's the only guy I can think of who is sticking with one title and, and, and strongly associated with that title. But he's drawing it. God bless you. Your, your art is fantastic. You're amazing. We would have been running that joint by now. We'd be writing and drawing. And then, you know, you want a polite discourse? Well, that's not what you want to do. Fine. That's fine. No one's going to judge you. It's just, it's different. There's, there's something different. Uh, you know, Tarantino writes and directs the stuff that he, that he puts out. He, he, he's got his hands from the conception to the final execution, to the final production. And, and we are all, honestly, the beneficiaries as a result of, of, of his, you know, absolute control that he wields over, over his product, over his vision. The alphas are missing. They're gone. I, I cannot uh, identify. And, and, and again, there is no denying that the biggest audiences are from the Marvel and DC books. And I just, you know, when's the last time an artist stepped forward and said, because I followed all of them. I followed all of them. One guy briefly danced and then got off the stage. Maybe it was too much for him. But for the most part, so many of these guys, and, 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 and then even if they did try to write and draw, they didn't do an extended run. The extended run is where you make your mark, where you remind people you don't want to miss out on the interaction you're going to get with me. I, I, I you know, was so excited. I did seven you know, issues worth of work last year, but I would have done eight. I would have done nine. I don't determine uh, the, the number of issues. I, in, in this, this is where I'm passive. I let Marvel tell me we're willing to do five of this, six of this, okay? And then you do it. Because for me, I'm just excited to get going and doing the work. But in the middle of it, I'm like, I would do more of this. Next time, you know, make sure you can do more of this. Uh, this coming year, I've got an open-ended storyline, something I've been working on that you don't know about. You're going to know about when it hits. I'm not going to give you a, uh, you're not going to get it in a catalog. You're going to find it online the day that I decide to let it release. And it, it'll be physical copies physical copies it's not an online distribution it's in it's going to be oh, you order from me direct to consumer but i've been producing this book in pages and issues of this book for two years now and i'm going to put it together i'm going to get it out there and and it's open-ended it's as long as i want it to go and and i'm i'm feeling very confident uh, given what's out there there's a lot of scatter shot there's a lot of jackrabbits you've heard me 
tell you about how Todd told me I was a jackrabbit and I need to stick on one book, on one thing. So many of your great artists, they're giving you some covers. Uh, maybe they're giving you a couple of, of issues, but no one is doing these extended runs. And this was the mark of the alpha. Not only did they take over, they started writing, they started drawing, they took care in the, in the coloring. There is no part of the production of my books that I am not weighing in on. I work with my colorists. I make corrections. I make adjustments. I ink my own work uh, by and large when I am fortunate to work with somebody who I think can, can do a great number on me. We also go back and forth on that. That is the mark of an alpha. I'm not giving you anything other than what my other fellow alphas have done. But among my fellow alphas, yes, I can hear you. There's only really me and Eric Larson doing regular work at this time. But this next generation, what we left the comic books to, whatever the priorities are, it's not to become the alpha. It's not to become the next Frank Miller. It's not to become the next Walt Simonson, do a multi-year run on Thor. It's not to become the next fill-in-the-blank. And do I believe the comics are suffering? I believe you as the audience are hungry for more than you're getting. And, and, and that's where I would put a pin in it. I think you are hungry for more than you are getting. So many of you, and, 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 and I've been telling you, I'm going to land this plane. I, I, I made the vinyls into the trade paperbacks, into the omnibuses, into the trade collections. I turned it back in you know, to the alphas who aren't uh, taking over and exacting their entire vision. Jack Kirby, his work exploded when he could determine that it's a splash page, a double page splash, a splash in the, a few pages later, a splash at the end. Determining the visual representation of your story is the directing. It is the directing of the work. It's the stuff that gets me excited. If you think that I am talking about this right now because I'm not excited, then you are listening to the wrong podcast. I am telling you this because it excites me. It is what my hopes and dreams are for, for more of what's out there. there. There are incredible, incredibly talented people. Something you hear all the time now is, oh, the artists today draw better. Uh, don't agree. There's some really good artists out there. They, they don't necessarily draw better. I haven't seen somebody who's floored my memory of Michael Golden Howard, Jake and Walt Simons and Frank Miller, uh, my own peer group. But there's good guys. There's good, good people are using models. What I mean models, I mean like, like 3D models to pose. There's, there's, there's all these different, uh, I was not aware of Poser until someone showed me Poser, and then they showed me the artists that are using Poser. Do I think there's maybe less personality in some of this stuff? Yes. Is the, is the correct drawing being executed at a higher level? Yeah, but I can show you some Walt Simonson figures where you could, sit, you could, you could actually fit people into Thor's thighs or Beta Ray Bill's thighs and, and, and some of those pinheads that inspired my own pinheads. Uh, by, by Art Adams and Walt Simonson. I'm not, I'm not always like, like, hey, it has to be correct to matter. These, these artists, they certainly can draw very well, but are they drawing a lot? And more importantly, are they controlling their vision by generating it as the writer, as the creator of the storylines and the images and, and, and the conflicts and the consequences? So wrapping up, the day I picked up Luke from the airplane, uh, from the from the airplane, <laughs> there was an airplane. The day that I picked up Luke uh, from the airport for for Christmas, I decided to kill some time. Some time, and I went into my my uh, comics, tunes, and toys in Tustin, where I used to clerk, and I uh, I hung out, and I was in the store for about forty minutes. It was New Comic Book Day. It was a Wednesday, and. I saw a bunch of 40 and 50 year old men come in and they had their credit cards and they were buying 
that they, they were buying in droves. They had the big, the big stacks. They were buying the comic, the foil variant, you know, the foil edition. They were they, these guys. I, I watched them because I was looking through the back issue section. and It was facing the new, the new book wall, and I kept looking up. A new guy with semi gray hair would come in, or a new guy who was in his forties came in in their jackets. It was kind of a rainy day, and they were all buying comics. A couple guys wanted to buy some of the wall books. Uh, the store had put up some signature books on their account. One guy came in and said, hey, I want those books, those CGC signature books that you have. They pulled them down. They sold them. To some, some, some good money was being spent. I was super happy for the store, but the entire time I was there for the 45 minutes I was there on a new comic book day, it was middle-aged men. That is the audience. That audience grew up liking probably comics from the 80s and 90s. So they were raised on these alphas that I speak of. And when I instigate conversation with them or they ask me what I'm buying, hey, what are you looking for? I'm like, hey, I'm looking, I'm grabbing some extras of some old John Byrne Marvel team ups. Oh man, that stuff was the best. Oh, that, that couple years Byrne did Marvel. See, a couple years Byrne did Marvel team up. We immediately connected. We immediately connected a run, a run, a couple years, you know, a good, the, the, the calendar changed. See, when you connect with that, with that group, if you bought my new mutants and watched it turn into X Force and then grabbed Youngblood and that's 90, 91, 90, that's 80, actually 89, 90, 91, 92. Chances are you were 13, 14, 15, 16. You went through high school. You're, you, you dated a girl. You, you made new friends, lost old ones. Uh, you have, I was with you. Walt Simonson was with me. Frank Miller was with me. Jim Lee was with you. Todd McFarlane was with you. While well, you had great childhood memories. That's the forging I'm speaking of. And when I was at Tustin Tunes and Toys and I saw the buying power, the, the people who are keeping this industry afloat, and they are buying ROM reprint with ROM uh, foil variant and Micronauts with a Micronauts foil variant, a Frank Miller Wolverine with a Frank Miller Wolverine uh, number one variant. You know, they're celebrating the excellence. They're remembering the good times. It's more than just nostalgic because those books are being reprinted in the first place because they were so damn well done. Later on, right when I was about to leave, clearly the school had gotten out. A bunch of junior highs came in. They all had backpacks, about six or eight boys. And they wandered through. They looked at some of the comics. They talked about Spider-Man. They talked about Deadpool. They all eventually left. They didn't spend anything. They didn't buy a single comic book, a back issue, a toy, a manga, anything. But they hit it on the way back from the school. They were, it was on their route home. They wanted to come in. They wanted to pop in. They were wowed. I don't want to hear that the comic stores aren't attractive to the kids. The kids just don't have the buying power. That demographic is not pushing our industry right now. That is just a fact. And, 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 and we can't wait for them to grow up. The guys who are there, who are spending the money, who are keeping my comic store, the one that I, have, I used to work at, the one that's been there for four decades, they are the ones that enjoyed all of this stuff that I told you about. That's what they expect. They expect longer runs. They expect alpha dogs and they ain't getting them. And, and, and the question is why and when, when is the alpha going to roar again? Mark Miller, he's a writer. God bless him. He wants to put teams together. Uh, politely, I say, screw that. The alphas is what comic books, going back to Neil Adams, Jack Kirby, John Byrne, Frank Miller, Walt Simonson, you know, you know the names I'm going to say. We built this city. We built this, this industry. When they gave it to the writers, nobody's pining for that stuff. They're not pining for it in the way that they're pining 
for the Miller stuff. Comic books are about art. I've said it from day one. Comic books are about pictures and visuals. You want writing, you want just a the written word, go get a book. The writers who write in comics, so many of them, I I I've, I continue to meet more who are uh, decent artists, but not good enough or didn't develop as well to be a professional artist. But they are they they think they they literally think so visually. And some of the best teams do compliment, but then there's the guys who I've talked before who wanted to get in, who wanted to be screenwriters, and these poor artists that had draw that shit with just people talking, 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 and talking, and talking. And that is not what I am taught. That's not the work of the greats, of the Jim Starlin, the Jack Kirby, of the Frank Miller. Alpha Dogs, where'd they go? I was going to start with this, but I'll end with this. I was going through my Instagram stories, and my buddy Josh Brolin loved that guy. He just randomly had a picture of Stanley Kubrick, and he goes, where is the next Stanley Kubrick? Multiple question marks. And that's what I'm talking about. Singular, visionary, visionary, alpha dog. Stanley Kubrick spent two years shooting a movie with Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. Hollywood went nuts. Their agents went nuts because they couldn't book Tom Cruise in three more movies because they didn't know when he was coming home from London where he was filming with Stanley Kubrick because Stanley Kubrick was meticulous and Tom Cruise wanted to make a great movie with Stanley Kubrick and he did. It's funny, the difference. I was in Chicago for uh, Wizard World Chicago the week that uh, Eyes Wide Shut came out. And who was sitting behind us and walked out of the theater complaining loudly, that movie sucked, was Mark Waid. I just laughed. My wife and I were there. We loved it. We consumed it. We, we saw it for the brilliance that it was. But, you know, there are old men yelling at lawns. I'm just not one of them. I'm, I'm a guy who wants excellence. I want runs. I want my alphas, okay? And I deserve them. In the sports world, the quarterbacks, the coaches, that's what we get up on Sunday and Saturday for. We, we, we get to see the alphas rage. And I think that, that same masculine energy on the sidelines of college football is, is, uh, is, is what, what jumped out and grabbed me. Yes, we talk machos. Taylor Sheridan and all his work is macho. Lioness. I put lioness as a macho piece of, piece of work, and someone said, but that has all this feminine stuff in it. Yet that doesn't mean it's not macho. It can have all that stuff. It can have all those feminine stuff. It still kicks ass. It's still ruthlessly violent, bloody, action-packed. It can be both. It can be both. A man can give you the genius uh, of, of the Dark Phoenix saga, and not only can he, that happen. It, Frank Miller created the beauty and the essence and the elegance of Elektra. So, so yeah, it, it, it can all happen. But that energy is missing. Where are the alphas? And you, you want to bring the alpha uh, uh, women in? Let's go. Let's do it. I, I gave an entire podcast to Wendy Peeney and her Elf Quest, which rocked my world when I was a kid. That is an alpha. She wrote, she inked, she penciled. Brilliant. Amazing. I would put her at the forefront of the alpha uh, female movement and and I was better for it. I consume just yesterday. I was looking through all of my first run Elf Quest comics that are in their magazine bags and boards. Stanley Kubrick, Alpha, kept the biggest star in the world landlocked in London making his movie, and Tom Cruise was only more than happy to comply to make this brilliant piece of work. So Josh Brolin says, where's the next Stanley Kubrick? I get it. I know what he's saying. I'm saying, where is the next Alpha? So, so three things uh, as, I, as I wrap up that I want to touch on. Three things. Uh, two, getting back to the 
the the badass woman, the 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 alpha female. Biggest one, biggest inspiration there is right now in the culture is Taylor Swift. Maybe maybe you're one of those people who 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 doesn't like Taylor. Uh, too bad. Uh, love her, loved her since she first came out. Really impressed with her talent, her her her, her songwriting, her ability to uh, constantly update and transform and 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 evolve. And uh, I took her, I took my my daughter and her friends to see her when she was uh, out here touring in 2018. Went back again this summer, blown away. But the super alpha move is uh, when when her catalog got purchased uh, out from under her, and she didn't have a chance to buy it herself. Or um, you know, I'm sure there's several banks if she didn't have the money herself that would have uh, spotted her that loan. So she decided, hey, I'm going to re-record each one of these albums. Badass badass move and i have seen it uh inspire uh boys girls men women my daughter me uh, that is a that is an absolute badass move and it actually is is somewhat of an inspiration for for some of the stuff that i've got going on this next year that is a badass alpha move above all else like no i think i'm going to take control and just if i have to go back in and redo all this i will she has she has reaped the rewards taylor swift major badass alpha margot robbie from the minute she exploded on the screen in wolf of wall street and and shortly thereafter she got into producing big time with her lucky chap uh production shingle with with i am tanya uh you may have just seen Saltburn, obviously barbie uh she's just not content to be an actress she is a hands-on badass producer and the results cannot be denied. She is an amazing talent, uh, again, which goes beyond her ability to, to, to be an incredible actress. Uh, I, I, we, we've seen all of Margot's stuff, and we are just completely 100% blown away each and every time. Again, whether it was uh, when we first saw her in, in Wolf of Wall Street, we actually saw her on that Pan Am, I think was the, the, the show, where she was a, the, the, about the uh, airline attendants. But, but then on film, Wolf of Wall Street, and uh, good God, all the stuff. Obviously, Harley Quinn, but I am Tanya. Uh, uh, Once upon a time in Hollywood, Babylon. She's she's just a tour de force, and the fact that she has moved into producing with such great results uh, speaks to her her taste and the fact that it happened within the span of ten years. I mean, she was producing I Tanya five years ago. This this was an alpha alpha move. Again, sometimes you're not going to get yes, but an alpha knows when to make a move. When when you have that ability to make to make that move to ask to say hey Roger McKenzie great people digging him I want to write the book and 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 Frank Miller made that move I made that move on New Mutants and X Force um uh, you know Todd made that move so many that you dig made that move and we did the runs we put the time in we 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 made that connection we were part of that lifespan last thing so one was Taylor two was Margot three again this is this is that the alphas don't always get what they want it was an attempted alpha move. Uh, back when he left Valiant, Joe Casada, before he landed and did Ash on his own, he was shopping it. He was talking to different companies. One of them was Image Comics. He had a conversation with Todd McFarlane. He had a conversation with me. We had expressed interest. We recognized that Joe is a talented guy. We liked his art, especially what he was doing during that period of time. <laughs> and he said, well, here's the deal. I'll bring my next project to you guys. 
I'm not sure if he was actually calling it ash yet, but he said, I'll bring my next project with you guys, but I have to become a partner. That's part of the deal. And I remember going, oh, that's, that's a non-starter. That, that won't fly. Todd calls me and goes, did you hear this? <laughs> and he's like, that's not happening. And I'm like, that's not happening. So, so like big ask, big alpha move, you know, got up in the morning, put his big boy pants on, said, hey, I want to, I want to, if, if I'm going to bring my project to you, I want to be a partner. And that was denied. And, th- and that's part of life. Sometimes the alpha gets denied. The attempt to be an alpha, alpha doesn't fit everyone, but there's gumption. At least there's gumption there. And, and, and gumption is to be celebrated. And without gumption, we don't have nice things. Hey, this was uh, a rough patch back between my um, gasping for air and things falling and uh, just all, 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 all the normal uh, trip ups of, of not recording in the last seven plus weeks. Uh, I just thank you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being back. Thanks for uh, taking this journey with me. Thanks for discussing it with me. I, I, I mean it. This, this really lays the groundwork of so much that is going to be discussed through this lens as we go forward. The alphas are missing. Maybe you can give me one stretch and you can give me two, but nothing like, like the names I'm giving you. I mean, like eight, nine, ten. I mean, the, 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 you know, it's very curated now. It's very much we want to place you with you and so that we have two elements in this in case one goes, you know, wants a little too much or goes off the rails or goes off on his own. We want something to be there that, that we can maintain and manage. It's different now. It's definitely different now, but there's going to be more of this stuff. Now, look, you're going to get feuds. You guys love your feuds. You know, the number one rated <laughs> observations are the feud episodes. You guys love it. There's more coming. I have been doing my research. I have been putting the time in to make uh, some really fun episodes here in this great season six. And I just, again, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for your support. I appreciate you guys so much. And I do not take for granted that you have given so much uh, of, of your lip service, of your time, of your enthusiasm to this show. In between episodes of Rob Observations, you can catch me all over social media. That's where I've been lurking uh, in this downtime that, that, that I just completed, finished. Uh, I'm on x slash twitter it's hard to not give up twitter uh i'm on x twitter at robert liefeld r-o-b-e-r-t l-i-e-f-e-l-d the whole name robert liefeld blue check that's me uh that tells you you're talking to the genuine article that's me i love hearing your mentions your talks uh all of the dms all of the ways that we speak back to each other it's been so great i think uh i i, I feel like that platform has has improved a great deal love love to see you on there at Robert Liefeld is where I'm at uh, on X, formerly known as Twitter. I'm on Instagram. Love Instagram. I am at Rob Liefeld, another blue check, telling you that it's really me, not the phony accounts. Uh, That's where I post my life, my food, my art, my family, the stuff I'm doing. I would love to see you over on Instagram. I am at Rob Liefeld on Instagram. I want to invite you to a great group on Facebook. It's called Rob Liefeld Marvel Extreme and Beyond. I, uh, I'm an, I'm, 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 I run that page, uh, co-administer with a, a, a fellow named uh, Terry Sala, S-A-L-A. That's why, how you'll know you're in the right place. Either, either myself or Terry will click you through. Uh, great time sharing art, stories, comics. Uh, Rob Liefeld, Marvel, Extreme, and Beyond. That's our group. And you're going to want to be on, on, on my Twitter, on my Instagram, on my Facebook, because I'm going to be sharing a lot of cool stuff, stuff that I don't have to go through approvals because I own it. 
and stuff that I'll be sharing with you. And there is so much big news coming in 2024 that I have not been able to share with you, but I've been sitting on for months, for literally months. So much of it was delayed because of the strikes. So happy, uh, again, that the writers and the actors came to their terms, got their, uh, got their victories. Uh, but this, is, this just delayed you know, all, all manner of different news and stuff. But, but the comic books, actual comic books and stuff that, that, that pertains. Uh, I, I hear Surge from Beverly Hills Cop pertain, pertaining. Uh, pertains to 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 comics and action figures and all sorts of cool stuff that's coming out uh you're gonna you're gonna see that stuff generally first on one of my social media platforms so at robert liefeld twitter uh at rob liefeld instagram uh my my facebook group please join us rob liefeld marvel extreme and beyond a group on facebook we'd love to see you over there there's art contests all all sorts of cool stuff i am gonna be back on whatnot real soon whatnot is the number one uh platform for collectibles and interacting with so many great dealers. And if you want toys and comics and Funko pops and uh, on, on my shows, it's, it's original art and signed Funkos and signed comics exclusives. Follow me, Rob Liefeld over on whatnot, download the app and get ready to have a blast. There are so many great sellers over on whatnot. Uh, I generally will, will, will post ahead of time when I'm doing shows, when I'm back in the groove, it'll be back probably on, on Wednesdays and, and Saturdays or Fridays, we, we hit one of those weekend days. But if you follow me, you'll get the updates. You'll know. I just, I do hope that the year 2024 is going to rock. I hope your 2023 was great. Thank you for being back with me. Uh, thanks for buying Deadpool, Batterblood, all the stuff that I've got going on. The new stuff that's coming, I cannot wait to share with you. I'll have more information on that very shortly. I hope uh, holidays can be tough. And I hope very much that you got through them uh, with love and with family and, and surrounded by friends and that there was magic in your holidays, in your Christmas, in your Hanukkah, in your New Year's. And, uh, you know, I'm always just wishing you the best. I hope that your mental, spiritual, uh, emotional and physical uh, being are, are in their best possible condition. And again, just kick back. Even again, it's, we're just starting a new year. Make sure you take time for yourself. Have a great graphic novel. Sit down, great graphic novel to read. Great candy, great. I'm going to a milkshake place tonight, a brand new milkshake place that I was um, uh, uh, keyed to, and I cannot wait. I, I cannot wait. I will share that experience. And of course, I'm having Reese's Peanut Butter Big Cups. I, I got so many Big Cups as gifts. I thank you all. Thank you, English Jimmy. Thank you for my sweet ass giant. <laughs> it was like a cable gun worth of Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Hey. Thanks for keeping it real. Thanks for keeping it real with me. I'm going to be back. We're back. Uh, don't leave the cul-de-sac. Uh, just get down, park down the street and come back, swing back around. I'm going to be here because we most definitely, absolutely, inevitably are going to talk again real soon. Mm-hmm.